Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to the worship team. Hey, if you have your Bible, Psalm 51, Psalm 51. And for those of you joining us online and wherever you may be at our Rossville campus as well, thank you for joining us online. Uh, Beautiful that we can do online service if you're sick or whatever it may be at home. Thank you so much. Even traveling, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Psalm 51, and if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen a little bit later on. So I, I started the sermon series, King David being a person after God's own heart. And just four sermons as we kind of look at the highlights and, and even the lowlights of David's life. And, and so we, we've learned a person after God's own heart, you know, that they do their part, they win their battles. We learned last week that a person after God's heart can even take a horrific fall. And really today, I, I want to come back and we're going to finish that story as we looked at the life of um or the story, the narrative of David and Bathsheba when he committed adultery and murder and just really things got out of hand for David. And that's not the end of the story. And so I, I want to preach really the end of the story today out of Psalm 51. And I want to preach on this subject, how to repent. Because the person after God's own heart, hear me. Yes, they, they do a lot of things right. That's just by nature uh, uh, of the description. They obviously have to do a lot of things right. Doesn't mean they're perfect. They can even fall. But I'll tell you what a person after God's own heart does, and that is repent. They come clean when they do wrong. So I want us to read that in Psalm 51 uh, in just a moment. You have to be careful who you put your trust in. The, uh, for, for example, one of the, one of the biggest awards that's given out in America is the Presidential Medal of Freedom. It's a, it's a, a reward given by the President of the United States, and here's how uh, it's listed out, that an especially meritorious contribution to the security or national interests of the United States, world peace, cultural or other significant public or private endeavors. That's a common thing that presidents give out. For example, Stan Musial got one uh, as a baseball player, but his was more not for what he did as a baseball player, but more for what he did after he was a baseball player and, and his contributions back to society. But these, uh, it's not just the president that does them. They're done in state congresses as well. And when those uh, honors are passed by legislative branches, the minutiae aren't always very important, especially in this case on April the 1st, 1971. Tom Moore of the Texas House of Representatives bought a resolution to honor a man named Alberto de Salvo, who'd been born 40 years earlier in Chelsea, Massachusetts. Moore postulated that um, uh, DeSavo, more postulated, was a leader in the community and deserved recognition, recognition even though he had tenuous ties to Texas. As a matter of fact, we go back and look at history, and as far as we know, he had never been in Texas. But the honor read 
And I quote, The compassionate gentleman's dedication and devotion to his work has enabled the weak and the lonely throughout the nation to achieve and maintain a new degree of concern for their future. He has been officially recognized by the state of Massachusetts for his noted activities and unconventional techniques involving population control and applied psychology. Now, let me, let me read that last part again. Follow along. He's been recognized by the state of Massachusetts for his noted activities and unconventional techniques involving population control and applied psychology. By unanimous acclamation, the 150 members of the Texas House approved the resolution officially adding DeSalvo to the role of those who had been honored by the state. It next had to go to the Texas Senate, and had it passed in the Texas Senate, he would have been officially enshrined in Texas as an honorary member of the state of Texas for doing something great. Who was uh, this Alberto DiSalvo? You better know him as the Boston Strangler. A serial killer believed to be responsible for the murder of 13 women in the early to mid-90s. Now I want you to go back and read the rest that last sentence again. He has been officially recognized by the state of Massachusetts, yes, when they arrested him, for his noted activities and unconventional techniques involving population control and applied psychology. Yes, he was a serial killer. And without knowing that, Texas voted unanimously to honor him to the equivalent of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Now, now, of course, it never passed the Senate because Moore pulled the legislation before it reached that point and declared that it was nothing more. Do you remember the date I said he introduced it? April 1st, 1971. He declared it was a... It was a um, uh, an April Fool's joke. Although others have used it since then to point out that our legislatures, don't, our legislatures in their states and in our government vote on a lot of things that they don't actually read. Texas was about to give an award to a serial killer. In short, a man was about to be honored who should have been condemned. A man was about to be celebrated who should have been condemned. Sin was about to be celebrated. Now hear me, I tell you that story to tell you that for the child of God, sin is never to be celebrated. Sin is only to be repented. Sometimes we celebrate sin without even intending to. Do you know the Bible says this, that we aren't even to applaud those who do wrong. The Bible says this in the book of Romans chapter 1, although they know God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die. He had just listed whole row of sins. They, not, not only those that do them, but even applaud others who practice them. We are not even to celebrate the practice of sin when we see it in other people's lives. And for the Christ follower, sin does a number on our lives. Just, here, here's a short list. Sin, for the Christ follower, 
Sin will derail our progress in life, meaning we we can get so far, not just in our Christian life, but in our life in general, and sin can destroy that progress. We take two steps forward or one step forward and two steps back. Sin can destroy our testimony, leaving us as an ineffective witness for the gospel of Christ. Sin can degrade our walk with God, that that when we're walking with Jesus and sin enters in our life, uh, it degrades our walk, it depresses our depress our spiritual vitality sin will defeat our attempts to move forward in the christian life man how many times have you seen this one sin will delude our common sense right you've heard the expression right sin makes you do dumb stuff it erodes common sense in our lives it devours what good may be in our lives, and it can absolutely defile the relationships in our lives, relationships we have worked so hard on. That is what sin does. The only cure for sin is repentance before God. Hear me this morning. Nothing can overcome the effects of sin in a Christian's life apart from getting back into a right relationship with God through repentance. Sin is a non-negotiable in your relationship with Christ. It has to be dealt with, even for somebody who's after God's own heart. How do you deal with sin? How do you repent? Well, stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it. And I want you to see how David repented in Psalm 51. Look at Psalm 51, verse 1. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin, for I'm conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight, so you're right when you pass sentence, you are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me my giving a willing spirit. Then I'll teach the rebellious, rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips. My mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You're not pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, let me me tell you where we are. Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was penned shortly after 2 Samuel chapter 12. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, David has married Bathsheba after he's committed adultery, after he's murdered her husband, after he's murdered other men, and David is sitting on the throne of Jerusalem with a cold and hard heart with Bathsheba at his side. 
And David's sitting there thinking, look what I got away with. Look what I've done. Look what I can do now that I'm king. Look how I, I can just do whatever I want. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, God sends a preacher to David. It was David's final warning. Nathan, the prophet, came and told him a story. And when it was over, David was outraged. And he said, who's the man that's done such an atrocity? And, David, and Nathan pointed his finger at David and said, you, David, you are the man. And when Nathan said that, David's spirit spilled out in a flood of repentance. And it's after that moment that David maybe goes behind the curtain in the throne room, takes out a pen, and he pens Psalm 51. Sin had been crushing his soul. Because of his sin, we know this, that David was dealing with guilt he said in verse 2, completely wash away my guilt. That guilt of adultery, that guilt of murder, that guilt of sin had been eating David alive, but he was also dealing with anxiety. He said this in one of the most uh, uh, important verses on repentance in the Bible. David said, my sin is ever before me. It's always before me. It was causing constant anxiety in David's life. And not only that, because of his sin, he was dealing with depression. He said, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. So here David is, though he's got that cold heart, he's got that hard heart. Now David is on the throne, he's acting outwardly. Everybody knows, everybody knows about David. But, but it's tearing up on the inside with guilt and anxiety and depression because of his sin. All of that adds up to what we call conviction nowadays. The job of the Holy Spirit to convict us of the wrong in our lives, to convict us of the sin in our lives, to convict us of when we failed in our lives, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Get this, the Holy Spirit's job is to point out where we are versus where we ought to be. That's conviction. The job of the Holy Spirit is to point out where we are in life versus where we ought to be. And that gap requires repentance on our part. And a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart, knows how to repent. Let me show you this morning what David did in order to repent. Number one is this. Uh, if you want to repent, number one, don't make excuses. Look what he said in Psalm 51. Against you... And you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. Fully acknowledging his sin, David called it what it was. Not, not weakness, but wickedness. Not an accident, but an atrocity before God. He accepted God's verdict, admitting that God was proved right when he spoke out against David's sin. And he was justified, by the way. Justified, David says. When you judge me the way you have... When you've disciplined me the way you have, God, you were absolutely justified to do that to me. Notice David has no alibis or shifting of blame. David offered no lame excuses to God, only a full confession of his own guilt that deserved divine justice. Hear me this morning, repentance does not travel on the wings of excuses. Excuses are just a way of Shifting blame to someone else. 
Excuses are a way of shifting responsibility off of you onto something else. You cannot have real repentance when you are blaming someone else for your sin and your mistakes. When you've done wrong, you know you've done it before you've done wrong. Well, I, I know I shouldn't have, but if you hadn't have done this in the beginning, then maybe I wouldn't have done what I did. And that's an excuse. Hear me, if you want to get, be a person after God's own heart, Get your heart right with God after you sin. Hear me, the best thing to do is just own it and repent of it. No one, no one does that nowadays, do they? No one does that. We just, no one ever just says, I am an idiot. I can't believe I did that. No, we just, here's what we hear out of excuses nowadays. This is, this is the internet's version of repentance is, well, this has been a learning process for me. Or, I had an unfortunate lapse in judgment. We hear everything but I messed up. I saw this, it's been a, been a few months ago, I saw this article and I just clipped it for, for this, that headquarters at Offutt Effer Base in Nebraska, U.S. Stratcom is responsible for, just notice what they do, strategic deterrence, global strike, and operating the Defense Department's global information grid. It also provides a host of capabilities to support the other combatant commands, including integrated missile defense and global command, controlled communications, computers, intelligence surveillance, and reconnaissance. I don't know if you know it, but it is a really, really big deal. And really, a global war would be fought from here. And so people are very sensitive to everything that comes out of Strategic Command. And back in March, Strategic Command tweeted this out. And people went crazy. They thought it was a secret code to other facilities that maybe a, a nuclear attack had happened or, or Russia had invaded or China had invaded. Some people interpreted this tweet that perhaps that was some kind of code for the end of the world. It was up for a while and they finally took it down. And in response to a Freedom of Information Act, a freelance writer named Mikhail Thalen issued a statement that said this, command's Twitter manager was working from home when he stepped away from his computer with his Twitter account open. His child, who is described as very young, sat down at the keyboard and started playing with the keys and then hit send. And they said, I quote, absolutely nothing nefarious occurred. Our Twitter account was not I love it that, well, I'm thankful, number one, it wasn't the end of the world or a Russian attack or a China attack, but, but I love it when the guy gets a phone call and somebody says, hey, is this the end of the world? And he's like, I don't think so. Why? And they said, well, you just tweeted this out. And he, he, he was honest enough to say, what, what does everybody say when a bad tweet comes out? What do they say? I've been hacked. No, you haven't. You've just been stupid. Not been hacked, you've just been stupid. I love it that this guy's just like, well, you know what? I wasn't hacked. It's fine. It was my, you know, I, I did it. I walked away and my toddler typed it in. You just got to own it. And can I say you have to do the same with your sin? 
that if you want to find your way back to God, hear me this morning, your sin is not your spouse's fault. Your sin is not your parents' fault. Your sin is not the environment, it's not the situation, it's not the culture. You did something wrong. You did something rebellious. You did something selfish. You did something carnal. When I sin, repentance requires me to admit it. Hear me, a person after God's own heart isn't perfect. We learned that from David. They fall and sin and make mistakes. But a person after God's own heart, when they fall and when they sin and when they make mistakes, they don't make excuses. And hear me, chances are people in this room, people at Rossville, people watching online, you are carrying unrepentant sin in your life right now because you won't admit it, your mistake. You won't admit it's your wrong. In the back of your mind, oh, you'll say it. You'll say, I messed up. But in the back of your mind, there's always a but. It really was their fault, not mine. And David said this. David said, against you and you only have I sinned. Against you and you only. Have I sinned? Let me ask you a question this morning before I go to point number two. What is it in your life that you know is wrong, that you know is sinful? And you have half-heartedly apologized to God. You have half-heartedly apologized to the people around you. But in the back of your mind, you still have that thought where it really, really wasn't me. Don't make excuses. Number two, how do you repent and become a person after God's own heart? Number two, see what you've done for what it is. Look at what David said. Man, these are big words. For I'm conscious of my rebellion. My sin is always before me. I'm conscious of my rebellion. My sin is always before me. There are, there are three words that are typically used in the Greek or uh, language when they translate our Bibles that are used for sin in the Bible. The first one is harmateia, and it means missing the mark. It's anything in our character, motives, thoughts, words, emotion, and behavior, which is not right in God's eyes, most common word used for sin. Then there's a derivative of it, harmatima, and harmatima means this, an act of disobedience to divine law or rebellion. And then there finally is harmateno, and that word is Uh, uh, to act contrary to the will and law of God. All of those are bad. All of those are sin. And David uses this language as he pins Psalm 51. He's using those language and he's calling it sin for what it is. He's calling it missing the mark, bad character, rebellion, sin against God. David didn't classify his sin as a mistake. He didn't classify it as a weakness or in any way minimize his sin. Here's what David said. My sin is an affront to God. It is a rebellion against the path and principles that God has called us to live by. So hear me. If you want to be a person after God's own heart, when you have sin in your life, call it out for the wrongfulness it is. If you don't call it out, 
and call it what it is, you will trivialize what God calls rebellion. And you'll say it's not a big deal. I mean, it's not rebellion. I don't even know if it's sin. And you'll trivialize it. You'll discount it. And you'll wind up doing that again or worse. Would you want your doctor to do that? Would you want your doctor to trivial? I had a doctor do that to me one time. I went to the doctor. Uh, it's been 15, 16 years ago. I went to the doctor, my, my, my regular doctor, and uh, he, he did blood work on me and all that, just regular checkup. And he came back and he said, hey, you, you have really high triglycerides. You might want to bring those down. Well, at the time, I'd never heard of a triglyceride, and I didn't know what, what to do to bring them down. And by the way, he didn't tell me what to do to bring them down. Six months later, I was in Belleville, Illinois, and spent a week in the hospital with acute pancreatitis. He said, you want to go back? He's, and by the way, while I was in there, he said, hey, people die from this. And I felt like I was going to. I won't tell you the whole story. But I was in pain. They put me in a hospital, wouldn't let me eat for days. And, and finally, when I got to come home. And by the way, I'm sitting in the hospital in Belleville, Illinois, and, and I said, what, what, what caused acute pancreatitis? He said, we're not sure in your case, but there's only three things that cause really what, you, what you've got. And I said, what are they? He said, well, number one, gallbladder issues, but we checked your gallbladder, it's fine. And I said, all right, number two, he said, uh, overconsumption of alcohol. And I said, hey, just time out. You cannot write that in my chart anywhere. I'm a teetotal Baptist preacher, and that just cannot appear. So, Doc, I don't know what number three is, but it better be good, and I better be guilty of it, or otherwise we're in trouble here. He said, number three, high triglycerides. And yours were really high, as a matter of fact. And he said, high enough that, you know, not always, but this can be death. I went back to my medical doctor back home, and I said, hey, dude. When what I have can cause death, I need you to lead with that. I want my doctor to call it like it is. By the way, God wants the same thing out of you. He wants you to call it like it is so you'll actually seek out, seek out repentance. What is it in your life you've been trying to act like it's no big deal? God would call it sin. God would call it rebellion. God would call it sinning against me. How do you repent? You don't make excuses. You call it for what it is. And then number three, you ask for a fresh start. David said this in verse 10, God create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's this, this verse is in my prayer time every day. See, repentance is not just admitting the wrong. Repentance is about starting over right. David wanted the joy of the Lord back in his life. He wanted the cleansing of his life that can only come for, from forgiveness for God. He wanted a clean heart, one that was free from sin, one that was free from guilt, one that was free from shame and remorse and anxiety and fear and, 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 and covert, covert, covert operations and lies and hypocrisy. David said, create in me a clean heart. All of which crippled the child of God. And then he said, creating me a steadfast spirit. That's a heart that's committed to do right, be right, walk right. 
all of that adds up to David asking for a, for a fresh start. You know, that's what repentance is, not wallowing in your sinfulness and self-pity. But it's getting a fresh start in your life in order to move forward. By the way, that is an act of God, a gift of God. God doesn't mean for us to repent and continually grieve over our wrong. He intends for us to repent and get a fresh start on living for him. And David said it a couple of verses later, verse 12. He said, restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. That's all we need from God. That's all we want from God. That doesn't mean we stay in grieving mode, but it means that we give space for others to repent as well let them get a fresh start on their lives as well listen our enemy wants to cripple us with grief and remorse when we sin and he'll do it hear me he'll do it but if you've not made excuses and called it for what it is God wants you to move on the fourth thing and I'm finished how do we repent before God number four is this know that obedience is better than sacrifice David closes out almost the chapter with, you do not want a sacrifice, or I'd give it. You're not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise broken, humbled heart. Oh, God. We don't repent by giving something to God. You know this. You've done it, right? Right, you've done this. God, if you get me out of this, I'll blank. Notice what the writer of Proverbs said. The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord. But the prayer of the uprights is delight. The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord. Once you've repented, God doesn't want you wallowing in your grief. He wants you to have a clean start and restore the joy of your salvation. But here's what he does. He wants your passionate pursuit of him above all else. Repentance is getting your life back on the plan and principles of God for your life and moving forward. Close your Bibles and I'm, I'm finished. One of the wonders of the world that we all know about is, is Disney World. Right? I mean, it's just amazing when you dive into Disney World and, and you read about how they construct that experience the level of design and detail is breathtaking. For example, they have trash chutes all around underground via, via, uh, via a system called AVAX, and they, they pull trash through air chutes underground all around the park so you'll never smell garbage while you're in the park. By the way, you'll never, ever be able to buy gum in the park. They don't sell gum because it makes a mess. Like, did you know at Disney World that they have American flags flying, but the American flags are, are missing a few stars? And because they're missing a few stars, they're not official American flags. So no matter what's going on, they don't fly them at half-mast because uh, uh, Walt Disney thought flying them at half-mast would ruin the mood at Disney World. You've been to Florida, right? You've been, it's all just one big swamp when you get down there and mosquitoes are a problem everywhere you go. No, and, and Disney World's built on a big swamp and so they figured out mosquitoes would hinder your experience but they developed a garlic-based repellent that humans cannot smell but keeps mosquitoes out of the park. Did you know that Disney is a no-fly zone? Planes are not allowed to fly over Disney, so they keep noise pollution out of the park. And the only sound you hear in the park 
are the sounds they want you to hear while you're in the park. And finally, I've never noticed this. As many times as we've been there, I've never noticed this. But Walt Disney designed the park that no matter where you stand in the park, you are never more than 30 steps from a trash can. No matter where you are, no matter what corner, no matter what aisle, street, wherever you may be, you are never more, 30 is the most, you are never more than 30 steps from a trash can. Why? He wanted you to always be close to a place to get rid of your garbage. And I read it and I thought, when it comes to repentance, God is even closer than a trash can at Disney World. Amen. That's good preaching right there. God is closer than a trash can at Disney World. Listen to me, no matter what you, where you are, what you've done, you can find a place to get rid of that garbage you have in your life. You want to be a person after God's own heart? You can be. It requires repentance. Here's what repentance looks like. It doesn't make excuses and shift the blame to someone or something else. It sees sin for what it is and doesn't trivialize it. It doesn't say things like, well, I know I did this, but I didn't do as bad as so-and-so did. No, sin is sin and rebellion before a holy and righteous God. Repentance means you're asking for a fresh start. You're not wallowing in your grief, but you're getting a fresh start. But it also means that going forward, obedience is what really matters in your life. You can tell if a person has really repented by if they're following God's path and principles after the repentance. If you quote unquote repent and then go back to the same old lifestyle, you never really repented. So here's the ask today. Quit running from repentance and run to God. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. I love last week, too. Like, last week we talked about how those little decisions can lead to big sin. Those little, those little things that happen in our life that, that lead to big sin, and we saw that happen in the life of David. This, this Sunday, though, how to repent. How to repent of those sins. Those little sins and even those big sins. And Psalm 51 is David's cry to God for forgiveness. And um, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you, I don't know what's going on in your life, but here's what I know. If you'll follow the formula laid out in Psalm 51 that our pastor just unpacked for us this morning for repentance, God is waiting for you with open arms to receive you back to Him. Maybe for you, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've never started that relationship with with Him. It begins with you understanding and knowing that you're a sinner and your sin offends God. It separates you from Him. You can't do anything about it all by yourself. Believing that Jesus died on the cross and the blood that Jesus shed pays for all of our sin. That's what makes forgiveness possible. 
And then Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth and we will be saved. And maybe God has spoken to your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to Christ in the quietness of whatever room you're in. Tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. The blood that he shed pays for my sin. I believe that he was buried and on the third day he rose again. Right now I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart. Take away my sin. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it, I want to tell you, welcome to the family. We, we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so, if you would, click on the button that we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. If you'll click on that, please answer the three questions that we ask uh, when you click on that link and um, that will connect you to me and I'd love to help you take those next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. You need to know this, you aren't alone on this journey with Him. Hey, it has been awesome to be in God's house this morning. I've enjoyed so much our time together and I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.